can go ahead and get started. We have Craig in the chat. Yes, we do. All right. Um, we have 340, 2034, and 307. I guess, uh, Noah, you'll be presenting 340. Yep. Should I, should I get into it? Or we, uh, yeah. Yeah. Whenever we're here. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. This is, um, sort of, uh, technical, hopefully not too boring. Uh, basically, okay. So we discussed this a little earlier. The, um, so the big, the big challenge we're trying to solve here is like how to deal with, uh, pull Oracle data in a, in a clean way in, uh, potentially complex code bases. So, uh, for price data right now and for pool synthesis on V2, we're relying just on push price feeds, um, and push, push data updates. Uh, and that can work okay under certain circumstances, but as we're trying to scale across a lot of chains, um, making sure that there's always fresh price data available for all of the feeds. Uh, that we're interested in, uh, someone's got to be paying the gas for that, uh, whether or not those prices are used, and it becomes um, problematic, basically. So, um, like, what we're doing with PIP for order settlement, uh, there, there are Oracle services now that are offering uh, pull, pull price feeds. Uh, so a consumer can get signed off-chain price data, bring it on-chain, store it, and verify it, and use it. Um, okay, so the next challenge is, like, in the protocol, uh, how do we, how do we get the user to do that? Um, right now, the, the, um, there's an ERC 3668 that exists and that, um, the, the way that pattern works is you have a callback URL. Um, and we're using something like this for order settlement where you show up and you say, Hey, um, I would like to settle my order and it says go to this URI. Um, you know, it's like net dog gateway, whatever. And then come back to this callback function that's like settle order with PIF data. Um, and then we'll verify it and we'll settle the order. Um, you get a problem with the callbacks though, if we have a big complicated system, uh, like synthetics where we have in like V3 perps, you have like five types of collateral. You know, you got like three positions open, maybe the, the liquidity, uh, the, the collateral being provided to markets, like got some other collateral in it. Maybe it's a, a synthesized pool and. Some of the collateral sitting on another chain, so we got to know how much value is over there. Um, and so the, the callback pattern doesn't really work. Um, so what we've come up with is this ERC uh, 7412, which uh, instead of having a callback, it just has an error, and um, it points to the contract that it's looking to get this data from, and then it requires some off-chain orchestration, like a client library, to say, okay, like this contract... Um, is uh, uh, working with and integrated with uh, uh, the PIF verifiers and the PIF network. So I, as the client, need to come up with a way to go off-chain, get the PIF data um, from, you know, PIF.gateway, whatever, um, come back, save it, store it, and then the function that I'm trying to execute should should succeed. Um, and so both 3668 and 7412 involves um, simulating the transaction, seeing a special error, and then the client just knows, like, oh, actually... The, the transaction that I want to stage is, is this other one. Um, in 3668, it's the callback. Uh, in 7412, instead, it's a multi-call, um, which is basically just a single a single transaction that consists of multiple transactions. Um, and so, uh, so far, so good. But now we have this new problem of how do we make the multi-calls? Uh, and so, um, 
the the long term roadmap for Ethereum with this is uh, account abstraction. Uh, basically, everyone's using smart contract wallets, and the smart contract wallet uh, can just accept two transactions and stitch it into one and uh, put it through. Uh, and then I guess there's an ERC or EIP in review that will allow people to convert their EOA accounts into smart contract wallets. Um, it's going to take a long time, I think, uh, for everyone to switch their EOAs over to smart contract wallets that can do multi-calls. Uh, so we need some sort of solution in the in the meantime. Um, okay, so uh, that's sort of setting the stage. So now um, the idea is there, there, now there's an, there's another ERC. Um, that involves uh, a trusted multi-call forwarder, uh, with, or sorry, just say a, a trusted forwarder for meta transactions. And this is actually set up for gasless transactions, where you can sign a transaction and you send it to this contract, uh, and then um, someone else could pay the gas for you uh, and and put, put the transaction through on your behalf. Uh, and then that standard outlines um, that you need to make a protocol change, basically, to support it where it knows that if, if a call is coming from the trusted multi-call forwarder, that the, um, it should respect, um, sort of what the, what the multi-call forwarder is saying the original, uh, caller of this, um, of the function is. Like you should treat that as the message dot sender value and solidity instead of the forwarder itself. So that's an existing standard. Um, so, Basically, what, what, what this proposal um, is saying is we should add support for the standard um, for gasless transactions uh, and then just add multi-call functionality into that. Um, and then it's sort of like a, a best of both worlds situation. So now we have a regular way that we can generate multi-calls um, for the protocol because you can just move through this trusted forwarder. Uh, whether or not you're doing a gasless transaction, and on top of it, by supporting this, um, we can also just support gasless transactions uh, anyway. Um, like in, in the in the ERC for gasless transactions, they say like this is sort of like not uh, not as preferred now because of account abstraction, and that's a better way to handle all of this. But again, like account abstraction, mass adoption of account abstraction is still a long ways off. Um, so. Anyway, that's uh, that's the long and short of it. Uh, the, the 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 upshot here is I think we have a very clean solution uh, where we end up with the option for gasless transactions if people want it, and um, we can uh, deploy the system to use you know any any price feeds available from pull oracles, uh, and eventually with um, cross chain read solutions, we could also implement uh, uh, cross chain pool synthesis. Uh, with the same pattern, and uh, clients will need to uh, use this client library basically to to put the um, put the transaction together uh, seamlessly, uh, and then we're, we 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 should be good. Great, thank you, Noah. Any questions for Noah on this set? Maybe just a general interest question. Was was it hard to get the ERC through the Ethereum consensus? Uh, well, it's still just a draft. So, honestly, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure uh, what the process is. I've, I've asked around, and it seems like basically if 
you know, there's sort of a rough consensus model. So um, if more Oracle providers and more protocols start following the ERC, then I think they'll like bump bump the status up. Uh, I, I, I should probably look into more more specifics on what that process looks like, but. Um, I mean, we, we can build the protocol this way, uh, whether or not the Ethereum Illuminati likes it. Um, so, so far, I've been trying to get as much feedback as possible from people, and like, everyone everyone seems to be comfortable with it. Like, I, I, I don't see the proposal changing too much um, in the future. But, uh, yeah, that's where, that's where that stands right now. From, from what I understand, I, I don't think you need uh, the uh, Ethereum Illuminati's um, blessing for ERCs. I think ERCs, um, it's, it's a... I think just a standard, like it, it gets adopted and just gets adopted, and it just becomes. A yeah, standard. exactly. Yeah, yeah, like the validators don't need to change their implementation for us yeah, to do yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. so the ER, that's the EIP versus ERC distinction. Although the the EIP website makes that very confusing. Great. Sounds like we don't have any further questions. Um, Kane might. Be coming towards the end of the call, so I guess we'll move on to SCCP 307, CyberDuck. Yeah, one second. Let me open up. Okay. All right, so SCCP 307, uh, it's basically uh, Thales integration as a V3 pool. Uh, what Basically, this does is that we would have a V3 pool that's called the Tails pool, which will basically be the intermediary for providing liquidity into Tails AMMs. Uh, especially those AMMs, or only those AMMs that accept SUSD as a collateral. So what this would, how this would work on the on the synthetic side is uh, synthetic stakers would delegate uh, collateral to a Thales pool. This Thales pool would take credit in SUSD against that collateral and deposit that SUSD into Thales AMMs and overtime AMMs, which then in turn generate yield or potentially loss as well. And this yield or loss would then be redistributed back to the synthetic stakers in the V3 pool. Uh, there's a bunch of technical details in the in the SIP, uh, such as a minimum delegation time of two weeks, as Thales AMMs have this uh, special nuance where there are weekly epochs where the collateral is locked, and uh, in order, and, and you know, some people, they can, in theory, forecast the potential uh, profitability of a weekly epoch. And in with such forecast, some stakers could front-run this yield by depositing collateral and then withdrawing collateral right after the yield is distributed, distributed, hence the minimum market duration time of two weeks, where after depositing or delegating collateral to the V3 pool, stakers will have to stay in there for a minimum duration of two weeks. Um, another technical nuance is the minimum credit. So the Tails AMMs, they have a certain uh, certain uh, uh, certain um, capital efficiency where not all the liquidity in the AMMs is 
directly used to uh, back trades, but only certain certain amount. Uh, and this would be mimicked or replicated on the V3 pool side as minimum credit. So as when that liquidity is locked, backing trades on the tail side, stakers on the synthetic side could only withdraw collateral up to the minimum credit. So there will always be some backing of that liquidity in the AMM. Uh, and I think that's the gist of it. So this basically allows synthetic stakers or potentially Ethereum stakers uh, on synthetics V3 to be exposed to the yields in tails and overtime AMMs. Any questions? That's pretty cool. So um, just just a quick question. So basically, the A, the LP positions these are like the collateral that will be minting SUSD. Yeah. So synthetics. Let's say you're just sta- you're just staking synthetics. You delegate to the to the tails v3 pool uh, against your synthetics stake collateral. SUSD will be minted, but not sent to you directly. It will be automatically deposited into the AMMs on the tail side, backing all the trading activity on tails or overtime, and uh, any yields will be redistributed back to you as a synthetic staker through the rewards distributor, uh, or potentially uh, losses on on the AMMs would be distributed back to you through uh, debt accounting, so basically an increase in your debt. Got it. So this is this a, a, a manual process by the Thales Treasury? So no, this will there will be a there will be a, a contract that basically is a rebal- has a rebalance function that will handle all this accounting and distributing and and stuff like that, and there will be a keeper that will be executing this rebalance function after every week's uh, week's AMM epoch end on the tail side. So it should be automated to a keeper. Has this been built already, or is it? Uh, no, it has not been built. So just now, it's just been scoped, uh, written up as a as a spec. Uh, the Synthetics Grants Council will actually fund the development of this. This is not an initiative of Tails. This is more of an initiative of myself and the Grants Council. It's worth adding for additional context that the way governance is currently set up is that new pools and markets are SCCPs while, um, until they become permissionless. Um, this is being presented for feedback. It's not the, you know, the implementation is not built yet. Um, because last week and this week was the first time that the community and governance is seeing proposals for new pools and markets. They're being brought forward in this, uh, draft date for initial feedback to make sure that the integrators don't go off and build things that the 
Spartan Council doesn't have any uh, appetite for. So um, there are still be some tweaks made to the SCCP, and it would still the markets would still need to be implemented in terms of being built before it could be uh, voted on. All right. Uh, any other questions? Uh, sorry, CyberDuck, did you have something to add? Uh, nope. All right. Um, I guess that's the, that's two of the three. We're still waiting on Kane. Uh, is someone able to ping him real quick? Yeah, I can do that. While we wait to see if Kane can possibly come, um, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Cap, but do you maybe, do you think maybe you could answer, like, field a couple questions about this, uh, tip, maybe? Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Okay, because I think uh, Gene had some uh, questions, and he was, like, sort of uh, posting them earlier in governance as well. Hey, God, sorry, which set? The risk council. What's the... the Oh, uh... I mean, I'm not an author on that. So, I mean, I can speak. Yeah, I don't know if I'm an authority on this. Um, <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> I thought you meant the Thales one. <laughs> no, no. I, this is the one I'm talking about. It's like, while we wait for Kane. Is this like right. uh, governance hot seat? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> A few saying read us this. Okay. I mean, so are they, if they're insanely general questions, I might be able to help. I didn't actually see the question, yeah. so do you want to ask it? No, I, I, I think we need Kane. Because, um, I don't know. I, I kind of. There he is. There he is, yes. All right. Hmm. What are we doing? I was going to pretend to you for a while until he turned up. <laughs> good. It's a good thing he turned up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me just pull this up here one second. Sorry, I just landed in New York, so I'm on the way uh, by the airport right now. Um, just give me two seconds. My internet's pretty bad as well. You can hear it just fine. Cool. Yeah, I just got to load the SIP site. But... Guys, I'm... 
Can someone drop a link directly in the God Call chat, please? Because I'm really struggling to roll this thing. Yeah, it's in there. Is it? Okay. Okay, let me see it. What's the SIP number? 2034. Oh, weird. Okay, Caleb told me something else today. That's why I was a bit confused. Is that SIP 2018? Uh, 2034. Okay. Deprecation of PDAO and yeah, no. risk council. Yeah, yeah, that's, I was just trying to find, yeah, I don't know what 2018 is, but anyway, um, please rug me. Oh, I can just set the proper thing. Okay, cool. All right. Um, <laughs> he's apologizing in real time. Um, thanks, Caleb. Appreciate it. Um, a little bit about a degree of difficulty. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, two or three, four, um, the point of it is to, um, supersede the old attempt to deprecate the PDAO, um, and to replace it with a new elected body, a council, um, that will, uh, essentially coordinate releases, um, and ensure that, uh, the contracts and Upgrades, parameter changes that are deployed are, um, you know, not malicious or broken and that, um, you know, any other, uh, criteria that we want to apply, um, have been, um, applied and allow, therefore, the, um, Spartan Council to effectively vote directly on, um, on changes to the protocol. Um, as it stands now, the status quo is that, uh, we do effectively like a signaling process um, from Spartan Council using um, the Spartan Council NFTs to signal that um, they want a change to be made, um, but there's no direct control from the Spartan Council over that process, unfortunately. Um, and so then the PDAO, um, which has you know evolved over time, but um, at the moment is made up of core contributors that meet um, certain criteria in terms of like tenure and um, and a few other uh, things. Um, uh, they are the ones that uh, have you know effectively power over deployments um, and changes to the protocol. Um, so the idea is to remove that um, that kind of point of control um, and replace it by a, an elected body that's. Uh, Sort of responsive to token holders. So that's pretty much it. Um, there's definitely some technical uh, implementation details that need to be covered in terms of how this is achieved. Um, and I think there's a couple of other considerations around veto power. Um, you know, does the does the risk council have veto power, or is it um, can it be um, overridden by the Spartan Council, um, and under what conditions? Uh, but like, uh, you know, I think those, and I think those are important, uh, 
inputs and discussions to have in the process. But fundamentally, the idea is get rid of the PDAO so that there is no um, sort of centralized control component within the protocol anymore. Um, and, you know, this is something I've been pushing for a long time because it is um, still, I think, one of the biggest attack vectors that we have in the protocol. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, I definitely agree in in uh, with the concept. I think it's a great idea to to retire the PDAO and give it to the community essentially. But as you mentioned yourself, there are some kinks we need to work out. Mainly, my my main worry is that we basically are building in another governance layer who has equal power to the Spartan Council, and you you know then they start competing and they break governance. So that's something you want to avoid. But as you already said, those things still need to be worked out. And that, that's fine. We can work those out. Yeah, I think, I think one thing to point out. Suggestion. All right, just, just yeah, one thing to point out there. Is, okay. okay, go ahead. Yeah, just give me, give me one sec, thanks. Yeah, so I think it's it's really worth calling out that the status quo is that we already have an unelected body that has essentially unilateral power of the protocol, right? So it's like, I think it's very important that we're aware of the status quo when we're making these decisions. Like, yes, we will, by creating the risk council, have a new council that has, you know, powers that in theory under certain conditions could compete with the Spartan council, but we already have something far worse than that today. Which isn't to say that we shouldn't, you know, try and work out how to balance these powers. Um, but I think it's really important to be mindful of what the status quo is. The status quo is not some, you know, utopian ideal state. The status quo is, is pretty fucked, right? And so we need to fix that as the starting point. And obviously we don't want to introduce more problems in trying to fix that. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, there's, there's a level of, if not urgency, because we've been operating from the feed out for a long time, there's a level of, Criticality, I would say, in, in removing the PDAO from this process. Sorry, Starbuck. I definitely agree with that. It's it's something that needs to happen, but you know, let's do it the right way. Yeah. So I, I had an idea. Uh, the the SIP currently says that uh, a transaction, in order for a transaction to be confirmed, uh, two thirds of the risk council NFTs must sign it, and five out of eight of the Spartan Council must sign it. I had an idea that we add a third NFT as a signer, and the third NFT would be the token holders themselves. So if a token holder majority agrees, then that translates to a signature on the gov- on, on this new governance contract that could replace a risk council signature uh, in the case where the Spartan Council deems that the risk council has become an adversary and has gone against the intended scope of this SIP and basically has, uh, I don't know, governance blocked for whatever reason, uh, a transaction. Thoughts on that? I, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting idea. Um, and I, when we were designing V3GM, the point of having the governor module have multiple layers of governance power um, was so that we could introduce time locks, 
um, and be able to accelerate those time locks via some input into the process by, by token holders directly. Um, and so I think that the ability for token holders to uh, potentially override um, or veto decisions is something that's quite important. Um, as we were designing V3GM, you know, you hit a ton of edge cases and, and you know, potentially weird issues um, that need to be handled, um, which makes, you know, makes it a bit difficult to, to design. But I think that we got pretty close to a spec that, um, you know, sort of contemplated all of the, the edge cases and, and handled it fairly well. My concern with just adding another signer that is controlled by token holders is that you start reintroducing these edge cases without the same sort of level of control. Like a multi-sig is just not really a great control mechanism. Um, and so, you know, I do have some concerns around that, I, I suppose. But like in principle, I think it's a good idea. It's just more about the practicality of implementing it. Well, it would already be an edge case because it would only be enacted if there is some kind of grid block between the risk council and, and the Spartan council, which I hope will never happen, of course. Yeah, yeah and I, I like if we only the Spartan council of that vote. Right. It's, I, I, look, if we're, if we're concerned about an edge case where the risk council goes rogue and is blocking the Spartan council, um, if that's, if that's the primary concern that we have, um, we do have a mechanism by which we can enact an emergency election. Um, so having an input into the process where token holders can, uh, can initiate an emergency election, um, would be something that I guess I'd, I would be more inclined to say would be a better approach, um, as opposed to trying to rally, you know, individual token holders to vote on a specific issue. Because fundamentally, if, if we get to a point where the risk council is blocking something, right, um, and the Spartan council wants to do it, then we have two governing bodies that are at odds and kind of one of them needs to go or both of them need to go. And it would be, you know, at that point worth dissolving them and, and reconstituting them, I would imagine. I was floating the idea around that. Uh, in that scenario, the, the Spartan Council can basically initiate a new election for the Risk Council to resolve the blockade, basically. But, you know, yeah, to yeah. make the process very, a new election is a lot of work, so, but maybe something like that's necessary. I'm just afraid, uh, you know, the same Risk Council could be voted in again if, if, you know, Whatever they're against is supported by somebody that has big bags. Well, the community has to step up and, and protect the protocol. I mean, in the end, if people don't vote and don't participate, you know, you, you can't stop it. But, you know, hopefully if something happens that goes against the protocol or whatever, the community will be aware and can be rallied to, to vote the persons who are responsible out of the councils. That's that's what hopefully will happen. Um, I, I also have a question, uh, but I know ML Sudo was trying to jump in. Uh, maybe I'll let uh, her finish her question before I hop in. No, no they just covered it. Okay, um, so I'm just thinking about, like, um, in terms of the this evolution from the PDAO to the Risk Council, is there any change in, like, the scope of, like, the mandate in terms of what the Risk Council is responsible for? 
or is it going to be exactly like mirror image for what the PDAP, what the PDAP was doing all the time? Windows game. Well, I think yes, for the most part, if you read the SIP. Um, but there is a lot of room because they have to vote on every SIP and every SCCP. You know, there is a lot of room to block, and that gives a lot of soft power over governance. And that's that's something that's already addressed in the SIP that it's not the intention, but. The current SIP gives a lot of room for those kind of scenarios. I think we need to sort of, you know, make it very clear what is expected and what's not. And preferably uh, find a way that it's impossible to do it in that kind of way. Right, but like the, the PDAO could do that right now, right? Like that was part of the thing. And I'm just trying to like figure out if like, um, they're like, what the PDAO's mandate is now is it's not going to really change much from what the risk council is going to be doing, at least initially, right? Other than being voted in. Sorry, guys. Um, I, I think I dropped out there for a second. Um, so what I was saying, uh, I'm not sure when I got cut off, but what I was saying is there is, there's, you know, two things, I guess, right? One, that we would need to have some dissolution process, right? Like an emergency election of some kind. The one of the problems with that is that someone needs to own the election module and whoever owns the election module is the one that can trigger an emergency election, if I'm not mistaken. Um and so uh you know at the moment the PDAO owns the election module, but in theory the risk council would then need to own the election module. Um and maybe the risk council election module would need to be owned by the Spartan Council or something like that, right? Because uh, we won't have a PDAO anymore um, to be like the global owner of all of these things. So I think those are some other things that are, are worth considering how we want to approach that. Well, when you put it that way, then I, I, I kind of do like the idea of to- like event, like the ultimate backstop just being token holders. Um, I, I think that would make sense of that way. Cause it, why, why, why scissors, like, you know, they rug their election, you know, and then the, the risk council could rug the Spartan council election. It just, it's kind but of why weird. would the, the risk council need the, the Spartan council election one? In, in, so, in, well, somewhat at the moment, the at the moment the PDA owns the Spartan Council election. Yeah, but why not give right. them both to the Spartan Council? I don't think the Spartan Council can own their own election module. Maybe, maybe they can. Um, but that creates an attack vector where the point of uh, a, a potential dissolution was for token holders to be able to signal uh, initiating a new election. Um, and again, this is where like we've got functionality that's specced and not implemented, right? That was designed to handle some of these more kind of esoteric edge cases. Um, and so, you know, we're just not going to be able. To, I think we almost need to kind of accept we're not going to be able to handle every edge case. If we want to handle all these edge cases, then we kind of just need to build V3GM. That's that's really what this was designed to do. Or we need to accept that we stay with the status quo, or we try and find some hybrid, but 
like we probably are going to need to just come to terms with the fact that we're not going to be able to handle everything and hope that on some level the election of the, the risk council gives us a risk council that is as representative and stable as the PDAO. That's that's ideally what we should be aiming for in my mind. Yeah, but I don't think it's a match case because every SIP, every CSIP will be voted on by the Spartan Council and by the Risk Council, giving them basically exactly the same powers as the Spartan Council. And I think that will create some kind of friction because then you have two sort of competing government bodies, and I think that's very undesirable. No, but they're not they're not competing because one is voting uh to determine that a, a change that will be deployed meets you know fairly narrow criteria right like is not going to uh you know is is free of bugs has been audited you know what i mean like there there's a the same way that like the PDAO doesn't veto the Spartan council either yeah i, I right? understand like, but it's it's not enforceable do you understand what i mean there's basically like it's not enforceable with the PDAO okay. either yeah, no, yeah, but I, it, I understand. But this, this, this is a bad situation. This is the status quo that we have, right? Like, yeah, we need to to change the status quo. Well, I agree. Gene, but so, I think the new situation. So if the if the risk council behaves badly, then I think the Spartan Council, together with community, can strike down uh, the risk council, or at least um, curtail their rights momentarily through some executive action. Um, and then, so that's the incentive for risk council not to go crazy. Um, and then if we feel like, uh, the newly voted in council will be, uh, affected by what you call big bags, then perhaps then at that point we write a new way of determining who the, the who, how the voting should, should work. So I think my question that I had earlier kind of got answered in the middle of all that. Um, so the mandate is going to be like strictly technical, like, they need, like the risk council's mandate is not like yeah that's the same mandate as the PDAO. It's yeah. just that they're now elected versus appointed, you know, and and they're accountable to token holders. But the mandate so remains on, the same. So on that note, um, like what will be the criteria? Like what type of person would you expect to be running for this position? Like the same for type of person that's on the PDAO right now, type of thing, right? Yeah, I mean they they, they probably need to be technical, but I worry about creating. Uh, very, Ethan, stop this. I worry about creating, you know, very strict, uh, criteria, um, you know, that could exclude people, et cetera. Um, and, you know, like kind of missing the mark, right? Like I think on some level we need to trust, uh, you know, we need to trust the token holders will vote the right people onto these councils. Right. Yeah, definitely. But so like the role is basically like the, to, is, is like a technical, so someone that would, you know, run for this position would, you know, be at least be able to read a smart contract or something like that. Yeah, I think I think that that's probably part of the criteria. There's definitely people who've been on the PDAO in the past um, who have had a different approach to risk, maybe, um, you know, maybe less technical, more um, kind of. Uh, financial risk or, or whatever, um, you know, who, who kind of had a view as to, um, you know, what would potentially be problematic um, if it was deployed. Um, so I don't think that, you know, I, I'm wary of just saying you have to be a solidity engineer to be on there. 
I think that got might it, be too okay. narrow. Yeah, okay, got it. So this, the mandate is technical, but also like assessing risk. So like the risk aspect of, of it is, is very much within the mandate. So it is kind of like expanding a little bit from what the PDAO currently does, right? No, no, like, sorry, what I'm saying is there's people, there's people who have been on the PDAO, um, whose job is to ensure that, you know, we're not deploying something, not just from a, like, not just the code is accurate, but that, like, you know, there isn't some, uh, kind of economic flaw, um, you know, potential, like, hole in, in what's being deployed, like, that actually does what it's supposed to do. Um, you know, both from a technical perspective and a financial perspective. Um, and so, yeah, I think the, the risk council should be responsible for, uh, for ensuring both of those things, which I guess to be fair, there's a little bit of overlap there with the Spartan council. Um, but you know, again, it's not, it's not supposed to be veto power. It's supposed to be, you know, uh, to protect the protocol from, uh, something going wrong or, or, you know, doing something that it's not supposed to be doing. Yeah, I agree. And, but I think it's, it's important to look for a way to enforce it without, you know, without uh, people in some sort of. Again, I, I come back to maybe, maybe I got cut off, right? But the simplest solution to this is that we have the ability to dissolve the risk council if they're not operating under their mandate. That's the same. You know, something something like that, that's, that's, that's all I'm asking for, you know, some. Yeah, sorry, I must have gotten cut off. That was, that was my immediate answer and I, it seemed like that was unsatisfactory, but yeah, like the simplest thing is that if the risk council is not upholding their mandate as specified in, in the SIP and maybe the SIP needs to be a bit more prescriptive, um, about what that mandate is. Um, but if there's a belief that they're not, um, they're not kind of meeting that. My my view is that they should absolutely be um, sort of uh, like not equal to the Spartan Council, but you know uh, below them in the process, I guess. Like a, a necessary input, but not um, you know not on the same level. And so the Spartan Council should be able to dissolve them if they feel like the the Risk Council is not doing their job. That that, that sounds good. But that's not reflected in the SIP right now, so we need to, to change. Yeah, no, for sure. That's why we have SIP discussions. Like, I'm, I'm very happy to, to incorporate um, something like that. Um, again, the, the big consideration being that the election module needs to have an owner, um, and we probably need to consider who the, the owner. You know, in this case, obviously, we can make the Spartan Council uh, the owner. There's probably also some timing issues there around epochs i would imagine um I, i'm just gonna have to dig into this a little bit more and just make sure that there's no issue with like not being able to remove them um in an emergency election because the um there's like some transitionary period of ownership or, or whatever so we just need to, to look at that and make sure that there's not a problem with um having the owners uh, the owners of the two contracts switch out at the same time um, Afif also mentioned something that dropped call chat. He said that uh, the number of risk council seats you might want to put in um, specified that it could be configurable via SCCP, unless you want to keep it at uh, three seats, uh, definitely. 
Yeah, it I should feel be. Like it's important. We can always. We can always a, that should be a sip, right? That's quite an important thing number to change. Uh, changing the number of seats on the council is usually an SCC. If I'm not mistaken. Am I wrong there? Isn't that a Metagawaran change? Why would you need to change the number of seats? Uh, we have, uh, yeah, you're right. It's a meta, you're right. It's a meta governance sip. You're right. It's a meta governance uh, SCCs. Well, I don't know if we've ever had meta governance SCCs, actually. Um, I'll, I'll defer to someone who's more knowledgeable in the I think I posted a meta governance SCP a long time ago. I might have. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, if, if it will definitely be meta governance to change the number of, uh, council seats. So I think that's worth calling out. Um, and I think it's also worth calling out if it's not already in the SIP that this is a meta governance SIP as well. Just a question with, uh, only three, uh, risk council members that threshold for disagreement within, within the, uh, risk council or you know, they would have to all be around, um, would be a lot lower than the current PDAL. Um, so it's just people who can actually, uh, let's say execute the, 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 the transaction or deployment. Um, they would have to be, you know, that only that's a uh, two out of three or, or do they all have to sign as well? Like could someone in, in that risk council actually block a transaction going forward? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was two out of three need to need to vote. So um, you don't need a unanimous vote. I think there was a suggestion in Discord that if you only have one out of three or or there's been no response um, from the risk council that uh, the Spartan council could bypass them uh, by a unanimous vote. Um, so that's another option, you know, because obviously... If it's something that's urgent and the risk council is unresponsive, it might be faster to bypass them than to dissolve the risk council and have a new election. As well, um, like a super majority or like an eight out of eight um, from the yeah, uh, yeah, SC exactly. could actually push the transaction through as well. Okay. okay. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Uh, thank you, Kane. Sounds like there was a lot of good feedback uh, for you on this SIP. I think the other two are ready for a vote. Is that correct? SIP 340 and SCCP 307? Uh, no, the SCCP is going to be ready to vote once it's implemented. Perfect. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody who presented and everyone in the audience for being here. That's it for tonight. Thanks.